All right. <clears throat> yes, recording in progress. Okay, got it. All right, so I'm not going to do the normal resume introduction of this gentleman because I know him too well now. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you what I know, okay? Well, I want you to do this with me. Think about what happens when God takes a man and fills him with life experiences and then calls him to be a pastor. And he becomes this prolific man of God and teacher and um, this in-depth uh, understanding of the word of God and the ability to teach it with, uh, with, with great ability. Then he takes that man and who, who zeroes in on the fact that the Bible says that as a person thinks, so are they. So this pastor then recognizes that there's another level that he can go to in helping to help people with their minds and their thinking, which of course controls their lives. So when the Lord does that to someone, you end up with a Dr. Ira Lake which was uh, a rarity that I had never met before. And I think most of us had not met before until we did meet him. And so now we have this man in, in, in our presence who, again, God has filled him with all, all sorts of life, great life experiences. Uh, I've listened to his teaching when he was just a pastor <laughs> and he was profound then. And then, as I said, uh, he then went on to become a professional psychologist and so now he brings the theological knowledge, he brings the professional skills and knowledge, and he brings uh, real world experience. And, it, and, I, and the thing, the testimony we hear most, because several of us, I'll just tell you this, <clears throat> that we as, the, we as those who, who are the leadership, who provide leadership to this ministry, to the, to the Men of Purpose ministry, we, we are all his, his clients. <laughs> he's, our, he's our guy. And we all have that same testimony. The first, after the first hour, you're like, man. <laughs> wow, or ouch, or whatever it might be. So anyway, uh, without any further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Lake. And uh, hey, guys, let's just be ready to hear and hit him up, hit him, get ready to hit him with whatever you got. He can handle it. He's tough. Okay. All right. So guys, join me in welcoming Dr. Ira Lake back to our fellowship. You can't stay on mute, Doc. You got to come on. <laughs> Get him off mute and we'll be ready to roll. There he is. All right. All right. I didn't know I was on mute. <laughs> it's all right. So let me start over. I thought you said you weren't going to introduce me, man. <laughs> I said we're going to do a conventional resume introduction. Man, I don't know who you were talking about, but it wasn't me. <laughs> I'm, right. I, I love your church. I love you, man. You, you know, We've had multiple conversations and um, some other of, of your members. So I, I, I feel good when I get a call from you guys because I'm never going to say no. But I want to get into some stuff today because this is too much to give in an hour and a half. I'm going to tell you that now. Um, this is literally a, a quarter course, a 12-week course, two or three days a week. But I'm going to condense it down because I believe that what you're going to learn today is going to be some stuff that will change your life and get you out of this or get you more fulfilled with your life and the direction that you want to go. So, Elder Kelly, what's the title of our of our men's group today? What's our title? I loved it. It was uh, basically feeling some kind of way or feeling <laughs> feeling a certain way. 
which is uh, basically a, a has become somewhat of a term uh, amongst our youngsters. And see Nico being part of our leadership, he threw that out there. It's like feeling I'm feeling some kind of way. Those older guys like, what's that about? But anyway, uh, in essence, what it is is uh, you know it's dealing with our feelings. And uh, the the tagline was fail to control your feelings, fail to control your destiny. So that's what we are looking for is the, 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 you know, your, your input on how do we keep ourselves from, from becoming slaves to our feelings. And we end up doing crazy things as we see happening in this world here. And, and then just things that just, just sort of get us off course for, for the success that God intends for us. So, yeah, so that's what we're about today. So I'm going to use the word feelings and emotions, and emotions, and I'm going to, they're going to be interchangeable. So if I say one, I mean the other one as well. So I always like to start off with just giving you a little food for thought. Here's the first question, and just something for you to think about. Everybody in this group, we felt sadness at times. We felt happiness. We have felt rejection. We have felt angry. We have felt ashamed jealousy. I could go on and on. We've all experienced them. We have dealt with them. The question always comes, well, where do these emotions come from? Where do these feelings come from? Well, let me let you know that most of these emotions and feelings are caused by the way you think. Your thoughts can literally influence or produce your emotions or feelings, your thoughts. Now, let me illustrate it like this. Picture a car. The car is in drive, so the wheels are going forward. When you see that, that means that you wait, the way you think can impact the way you feel. If the car is in reverse, the wheels are going backwards, that means that how I feel can influence what I think. That are interchangeable. They sync up. Most of us are influenced, or we're, most of us, our thoughts influence how we feel. Let me give you an example. I wake up, um, I woke up on Friday morning, yesterday morning. For some reason, my alarm in the, my place went off. I changed batteries like a month ago, and it just started beeping. So this is like 1.30 in the morning. So I'm out, I'm in a dead sleep, I'm bumping into the thing, and I'm trying to locate which one it is, and then when I get to it, it stops. So I'm standing there for five minutes, waiting for it to do it again, and then it never did. So it just messed up my sleeping, and so when my clock went off at four o'clock, I had to get up and work out a little bit, I was tired. And I laid there in that bed, and I said, I thought to myself, man, I am so tired. I got a long day on, to, on Friday, man. I sh and before I knew it, I talked myself into laying in the bed. Now I'm gonna tell you some things and I, a couple of things that I had said before, I'm gonna just kind of repeat them. And we're gonna focus on two areas of our brains. Again, our thoughts can produce our emotions. So the first area of your brain we're gonna focus on is just area right above your eyebrow. You can call it two things. It's called the frontal lobe, goes right back to about the middle of your brain. We'll call that area one. That's your frontal lobe 
or prefrontal cortex. The area right behind it, we're gonna call that number two. That's your emotional center. Now I'm, I'm just gonna all tie in in a minute. I'm just kind of laying out some groundwork. Area two, your emotional center is where all of your feelings and emotions are. Right in the middle of your brain. But that's not the only thing in there. Next to your feelings and emotions, and this is the emotion, we call it your emotional center. Right next to it is your long-term memory. They are connected. The thing that controls your emotions is called the amygdala. It looks like an almond when you see it. it looks like an almond, the inside of my finger. And it looks like an almond. That thing is literally the fire bell, like an engine, like the fire bell at a state guy at a, a, a firehouse. When that thing goes off, it alerts the body that something is off or something is wrong. So it goes off. It goes off. When, the, when it goes off, it alerts your brain and your brain turns on your nervous system and gets you ready for the emergency that you are feeling or thinking is about to happen. Not only does it go off, but it has the ability to go inside your long-term memory. Isn't that freaky or not? Yeah, that little thing goes off and then it goes inside your long-term memory and what is it doing in there? It's running through your memory, looking for something that you've gone through already that's similar to what you were feeling and experiencing right there in that moment. And all this is happening in nanosecond, running through your memory. As soon as it latches on to something that's similar to what you're going through right now, it latches on to it, and then you repeat the experience that you've had before. That's how it works. So I'm gonna give you a list and we have about 30 different types of emotions and we better understand what they are. So I'm gonna just give you some and I'm gonna highlight a couple of them that I want you to pay attention to. So here's some of your, of your 30 emotions. Of course, we know anger, we know sad, we know happiness, we know joy, we know excitement. We know shame, there's envy. Oh, but let me go on. There is contempt, there is pity, there is admiration, there is pride, there is romance, there is satisfaction, there is sexual desire, appreciation, amusement, awkwardness, joy, calmness, interest, confusion, and there is rejection. Now that, I, you know, just to quickly run through your emotions, and then there's one called boredom. That's an emotion. Did you know that as men age and get older, that's the one that sets in and men experience at high levels after about 45 to 50? Boredom. The Bible says that when the kings went off to war, David stayed home. Right before that passage, David was in a battle with, the, I guess, I think they were the Ammonites or the Edomites. He almost got killed. It wasn't for a couple of his bodyguards or his mighty men 
they saved Daniel. Uh, 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 they saved David from getting killed. And so his chief and general told him, hey, dude, you need to stay home. But David had always been a man of action. And so if you really want to get the context of how he ends up on his roof and now commits this sin plus murder, David is bored. That's one of our greatest, greatest traps. It's called boredom. Now, I'm going to stop for a moment because I want to make this more interactional. What do you guys think when I say that? Boredom. Talk to me about that one. The idle mind is the playground of the devil. Hmm. What do you mean by that? I've heard that all my life. Well, if, if I'm bored, I'm I'm looking for something to do. I'm just I'm just in idle, just like a car is in neutral. Mm -hmm. So I'm in neutral. Nothing's going on. I want something to go on, and I'm all the doors are open. The car's unlocked. Hey, love that. Somebody else. Tell me about boredom. Not, not having a purpose. Not having a purpose. Wow. Somebody else. That's uh that's where I was headed with it. I think if you are not walking in your purpose, you're not doing what you feel like you need to be doing or what you should be in your life at the moment, that boredom becomes very extreme, very powerful. Unfulfilled. Say that again. Unfulfilled. Unfulfilled. Looking to get into something. Looking to get into something. Looking to conquer something. Looking for something to do. You know, I got to do something. I got to do something. I got to do something. That comes from boredom. Part of boredom. When you get bored, I got to do something. Hey. So now, let me show you the other emotion. That's a trap. Rejection. Talk to me, guys, about rejection. Because we all know it. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. Rejection. Rejection leads to anger. Rejection leads to past failures. Hmm. Why did God allow these emotions to develop? See, there was no need in the garden for all of these emotions. It was, it was perfect. It was peaceful. What was I going to be angry about? There was no sin. What would I have to fear? God gave man... Adam, dominion over everything that flew, crawled, walked, swam. He hadn't had no fear before. So why did these emotions evolve? And over the course of these thousands of years, why did our brains have to become survival experts? It's to keep us alive. That's why. That same lion that Adam named could now take his life. That same snake or whatever could take his life. Now picture yourself and how your brain has had to evolve because once sin entered into this planet, man, everything is in chaos. So we needed a mechanism or some emotions that will at least alert us. So what your emotions are, are they are nothing more than signals. That's what your emotions are. That's why we can't be governed by them. They just simply are signals. They only signal one of two messages. That's it. They either are signaling 
something good is about to happen or positive or something negative is about to happen. That's all your emotions are designed to do. That's it. But more happens. Now watch this. So these emotions had to be developed to keep us alive. So if you were living in the Amazon jungle, your brain had to develop a survival instinct because danger could come at any place and anywhere, at any time. When these pilgrims were coming over here or explorers were opening up the parts of this country, they had to always be on the lookout for bears and Indians and floods. And so our brains had to evolve to keep us in survival. Now here's the key, and I'm again start working down toward why we got these emotions and what these emotions are really. We already know that they come from our thoughts. Well, one of our fears is as men is rejection. That's one of our fears. If you were part of a clan or a tribe, you didn't want to be rejected by your tribe because that lessened your chance of surviving. You needed to be a part of a group. So we learned over time that rejection was not something that we needed or wanted to experience. Because if we got rejected by that group or that family clan or this place over here, how was I going to make it out there on my own and survive? See, your brains learned that rejection is a bad thing. And now, and I'm not going to ask how many of you have gone through this process and have felt rejected from time to time, but did you know that the three greatest fears that men have, we fear the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, and we fear being alone. Let's talk about that, guys, for a moment. What do you guys think? Uh, well, the alone part, I, I'm, I'm comfortable with that now. But uh, <laughs> the um, yes, the for over, over the years, even even at a young age, failure is was not an option at all in my in my growing up and in the military and everything else. Because once it happens, it is like, um, you know, it's like in Star Wars, it's like the ultimate do or do not, right? Mm -hmm. So you feel it more. And then being a black person, and I'm not using race in here, I'm not, but you're constantly reminded that failure is a party, failure is a party. You can't do that. You can't get this. You can't do this job. You can't, you can't do this business. It's always that hitting across your head. So yes, it, it is, it is real. Anybody else want to weigh in on that? I would like to weigh in on it. Um, so what I would say is that um, all of those things initially presented themselves as something to be afraid of. And then just as I got older and I started taking on more things, all of them became my strength. So there was strength in the fear. The other side of fear is where I found my greatest successes. The other side of failure, the other side of being alone is where I found my greatest strength. So I thought that they were something I should steer away from. But now as I'm older, I'm learning to lean into them more and I'm finding greater power and quantum leaps in that.
Dr. Lake, I'm uh, I'm good with being alone because uh, I like to do things by myself. Yes, I can work in a team environment. I think the fear for me is being lonely mm. for a season. You know, you could do it for a couple of days or a couple of weeks, but I'm good with being alone. It's the lonely part, the lonely part, because that's the relationship aspect. So now my brain moves into survival mode. So now I'm looking to not be alone or be to, I'm looking to not be lonely. If that makes sense. Okay. Makes total sense. One more person want to weigh in. Go ahead, Jim. Jim Cox, go ahead. Come off mute, Jim. Yes, good morning, everyone. Morning. My question is about how far back do these uh, things go? In other words, failure, rejection, being alone. How far back do we could it go to where we it it's deeply rooted and we're not knowing it and then now we're realizing based on what you're saying is that uh, this is our greatest fears but i'm saying that because i remember all three of those things back when i was nine or ten years old mm -hmm. and i carried them with me all these years and didn't realize how, what an impact they were having on me until we start talking about this. So uh, if they're that deep from childhood, oh my goodness, I mean, how hard it would be to be able to, to counter these, these things. So if, if you want to look at the genesis for all of these emotions, particularly the negative ones, I'm not talking about the positive ones. I'm talking about the negatives. Yes. They go back to the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. Now, how long it took for these emotions to evolve and develop in our brains, nobody knows. But by the time it got to us, hey, the Bible says we were born in sin and shaping in iniquity. So I already came out afraid. I already came out with these negative emotions. Nobody had to teach me. It's genetically passed down. Now I'm predisposed. And I act a certain way, feel a certain way. Nobody taught me how to lie. Hey, why am I two years old? How I learn how to lie like that? All of this came because of the fall of Adam and Eve. That's all I can tell you. And if I go back, the fear of rejection is, is literally an example of a bias toward negativity. So once again, if you were a part of the past and you had to be a part of a tribe or, or, or a clan, if you got rejected, your chances of survival were going to be very significantly impacted on a negative way. So over the course of years, what our brains have evolved to become is survivor experts. All of your emotions are in your brain. So therefore, this bias toward negativity, which we call, we're going to call rejection, what you begin to do from the beginning is you start looking out for anything or any signs of rejection. You just, it's, it's ingrained in you. You look at things that potentially could spell out somebody's rejecting you. Now, my mother left when I was two years old. I experienced it at two. Yeah. I kept saying, well, why is my mother what did I do to my mother? 
that made her leave us and walk out. I'm two, what could I have done? And from that experience, I've always looked through that lens to make sure that I was not gonna be rejected. So you know what we do, guys? We start developing this little coping things to fit in. You know, we gotta be the funniest, we gotta be the loudest. We do things to fit in so that it's not to be rejected. And once your brain gets hardwired and programmed for you to start looking at rejection, then your wife can tell you something and you'll think it as a rejection. Dr. Lake, uh, another thing that I was just thinking about with what you were saying is a lot of times uh, growing up, I would hear, and I'm sure many of men on the line would hear uh, from other races, other cultures, hey, stay out of trouble or here comes trouble. You know, those are things that we 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 just adopt because they've been ingrained in our thought process in our minds. And then it's like, oh, you just like your daddy. You hear those things as well. So those things affect us long term as also just want to put that out there. Okay. Also, Dr. Lake, what about not only hearing that, but going back to what you said? What about the judging part? It's like we, we develop these, these mechanisms, right? So we also not only um, take in what we hear, as uh, Brother Kevin said, but we look at people, what is our wives, what is our kids, what is other people at work? And then we judge them because of our rejection, our failures, and say, okay, are you going to do that to me? Mm -hmm. what, what, what are your little tricks that I need to look for, right? And, and instead of giving people the benefit of the doubt, which, you know, that's the best way to go. So emotions are often caused by our thoughts. Two people can see the same thing and think differently about it. A dog is running toward me and my wife. I love dogs. I to adopt an emotional support dog for my office. I love dogs. So my thought is, oh, wow, look at that pretty dog coming toward us. My wife may think, oh, I may not like dogs. And so she'll go, oh, my God, this dog is going to bite me. My emotion that was created based on my thought was happy. Her emotion was created Guess what's one? I'm afraid. So two people can experience the same thing, but have different reactions to it. Second point, some people can feel emotions and they don't even have any thoughts. It's just experiencing emotion. That's because of your brain, which is a survivor expert. Scientists have proven and they have found that sometimes your brain can trigger an emotional reaction to things or situations that you're in and you don't even know it. Let me say that again. Scientists have discovered and have found that sometimes your brain can trigger an emotion unconsciously. You're not even aware of it. Not even aware. I hope this makes sense. Scientists have also discovered People that study the brain, 
more in depth than I do, they have found that yeah. these thoughts that cause the emotions and they can start, they can even label some of these thoughts. And I'm a, I wrote a couple of them down. These are some thoughts that cause emotions usually that, that okay, let me, let me rephrase that. These thoughts that cause emotions, we, we can identify some of them. Here, here are a couple of them. Here's what happened, expected. Is what I'm going through. Is what happened, is it expected? Another thought. Is what happened enjoyable for me? Another thought. Can I control what happens next? Another thought. Is what, is what happened my fault or somebody else's? I'm saying to you guys, like I've had to say to myself, my brain is responsible for a lot of what I'm feeling. Because it's a survivor expert, what your brain does all day is keep you alive. How? It processes about 1 million bits of information per second. As it's processing it, it's telling you in real time what you are hearing, seeing, touching, tasting, and smelling. That's how your brain interacts with the environment or the external world. It's taking in sights and sounds, telling you what you're hearing, seeing, touching, tasting, and smelling in real time. And all it wants to do is keep you alive. So it's always looking out for danger. That's it. Oh, look at that over there. So you hear gunshots. Guess what you're going to do instinctively? I'm getting out of here. You get alert because you hear uh, uh, ambulance sound. It's telling you that somebody is getting rushed somewhere or somebody needs emergency. So as your brain is processing this information, it don't care about your happiness, gentlemen. Your brain cares about your survival. Please know that. This ain't got nothing to do with your happiness. It has everything to do about survival. So here's the bottom line. We spend most of our lives in survival mode and not thriving mode because of our emotions. Let's hear some comments on that. Surviving, not thriving. What are you guys thinking? I, I like music, and I can't think of any song that talks about thriving, but I can think of a million of them <laughs> talking about surviving. I'm a survivor. That's I, it. Need you, I need you to survive. I don't yes. need you to survive. I need you to survive. So, okay. on point. Somebody I, else. I, had a, I have a question. Just I, I think about <clears throat> something that we all can experience, which is uh, maybe not road rage, but there's just something about stuff that happens on the freeway, traffic and all, and it triggers so fast. Mm -hmm. We can trigger so fast. What is that? I mean, is that what are we experiencing when, with this road rage thing? Is, 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 it, is it what is that? I know it's an emotional thing that can jump to anger quickly, but you know what? When we talk about these feelings, I'm trying to see which one is it, and what's what's causing that. What there's 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 something larger to it than just the fact somebody cut me off in traffic. The response seems to far outweigh the offense. 
And so for some people, I, I look, everything, practically everything starts with the way you think. If I've already started off my morning, oh my God, it's gonna be a long day. Oh, I don't wanna do this. And look at all this traffic out here. So I'm already, and watch this guys, your brain only knows one interpretation when you get triggered or, or, or bothered. It only knows one thing. It says fight or flight. Something bad is about to happen. So you already start your morning with negativity. Your brain is on high alert. You've already set it off. You're tense, you're tight. You get in traffic and you know you're late. And then somebody does something crazy and you this is a recipe for a time bomb to go off. It all started because of how you woke up, most likely thinking bad, talking bad. Now you feel bad. And here's the key. We react and respond to people and situations out of how we feel. Your emotions. That's how we react and respond to people and situations. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Tim Hunter, go ahead. Hey, Dr. Lake. Um, Congratulations, man. I, found, I saw something online, man. Yes, thank you, yeah, sir. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I, I want to ask a question because uh, I've dealt with all three rejection failure and being alone as well. Um, but I've, I've learned to adapt and I, I definitely agree with you with the survival mode. But now as I get older, uh, how can I survive and be happy at the same time? You know, uh, meaning I'm still looking for happiness. I still want happiness, but I still find myself dealing with these three uh these three areas, you know, uh, rejection, failure, and being alone. And I'm sorry to tell you, but you, you, you're not going to experience it if you still think in those three. Okay. So I'm, I'm, well, I'm not, I'm not really thinking them. I'm, I'm with a, I've dealt with them and, okay. and, and I, I'm, I've learned how to, you know, balance it and, and you know, deal with them, you know. Um, but now I'm on the other side where I want happiness. I'm looking for happiness. I, okay. I, I've learned how to survive those aspects. You know, okay. what do I, how do I go to that next level? All right. So first of all, um, if you ever want to read an interesting book, read Ecclesiastes. It's literally broken up into four chapters, even though it's 12 chapters, I should say four sections. It's the, it's the search of a man for happiness. <laughs> and so it's broken up into four categories. He does food, he does women, he does pleasure, and he does relationship and family. That's pretty much the gist of his search, even though it goes further than that. Now, let me put a pin there and come back. I gave you at the start of this, I gave you a quick list of about 30 emotions that everybody on the planet has, thereabouts, somewhere between 27 and 30. Happiness is one of your basic emotions. Now, I want you to get this, watch this. Because happiness is one of my basic emotions, how can anybody make me happy? I already got it in me. I choose to be happy. Happiness is literally 
a choice, just like the, those other 29 emotions. So you get to pick or choose what emotion you're going to live in or experience in that moment. Yeah. So Solomon is the prime example that external things won't make you happy. Internally is where you find it. So all this searching that we do, buying, acquiring, all of that stuff, that's not designed to make you happy. And if you got a wonderful partner and you think that they were responsible for your happiness, well, they're not. Here's the balance. You are responsible for your own, but you can't be so selfish. That's all you do. My partner is not responsible for my happiness. How can she give me what I already got from God? Wow. She can't Preach give it. that to me. Huh? Wow. So if I, don't, if I don't choose to be happy, no matter what she does, I'm not going to be happy. I oh, can't be happy. Man, this and is look, a people, but hey, people wait, put stuff on. in your way, though. Huh? People put blockage in your way. People have learned. Humanity has learned they really, do. really skillfully mm -hmm. to put blockage in front of your happiness, whether it's through jobs, money, food, relationship. They have put stuff in there. So that's why it goes back to what um, Elder Kelvin was saying with the road rage. We could choose to be happy. We I think we try to be happy, but every time we try, something along the way blocks us from that happiness. Stop it. Stop it right here. <laughs> Stop. Get him. Because all we're doing is setting ourselves up for this failure. Mm -hmm. Paul says, hey, regardless of what state I am, whether I have rich or little, poor or naked, cold or miserable. I've learned to be content. It ain't got nothing to do with other people. And we use the wrong measurements. That's what Solomon's journey was. You ain't gonna find happiness with acquiring things, building things, marrying somebody, having a bunch of money. That ain't gonna bring you happiness because if it did, he would have been happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we allow people to interfere. That's giving people too much power. Right. I'm not letting anybody take my happiness away. Yeah, I guard it. And I don't have, it doesn't mean that everything in my life is going great and I don't have any problems. It's just, I've learned an attitude like Paul, wherever state I am in, I'm going to be all right. Amen. Because the bottom line is, he said, all things will work together for good. So when you read it in the Greek, what it really is saying is God has the ability to take all of the negative stuff you go through and make good come from it. So what Amen. I mean now is I'm in a thriving mode. So if I am having something bad, I'm going, I'm looking around for something good to happen because God's going to change it around. And the reason why he delays it coming to you is because you take credit for it. That's why he delays it. And not only would you take credit for it, maybe you don't even have room for it. You so talk. God delays the things that he wants to do because we either are not prepared 
We haven't controlled all these emotions. And I'm not saying you're going to be masters at it. You're not, not till Jesus comes, but you got to get better control over it than you are. And not only are we not going to have room, but we're not ready. Doc, I'm going to jump in. I've got, um, we had Coach Dez who's had his hand up and then Pastor Williams and then Tyler Cooper would. So let's go in that order. So Coach Dez, go ahead. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Dr. Lake, I'm amen and almost every doggone thing you're saying. So this is, <laughs> this is all awesome. Um, matter of fact, getting about, I just wanted to go ahead and kind of add to something you mentioned earlier. Again, emotions is a choice. And I and, and I came up, matter of fact, I was thinking about a saying uh, of oftentimes I've heard in the entertainment industry, and it goes like this. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Hmm. Practice, 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 practice. You have the emotion you practice. Hmm. Wrote, oftentimes I've seen situations where if I saw my mom or dad react to a swerving whatever situation and they go you blankety blank whatever situation or operate in that type of manner it's not it's not too it's not it's not it's not a, a, a long road it's not a long trip to basically understand that that's how you start reacting why you've been witnessing that you've been seeing that stuff in your environment you've been practicing that emotional response mm -hmm. And that, and I see that we're all, everybody on this call here has been a direct response of our training, mm -hmm. our chosen training. I'm going to change the word and I'm going to say wiring or programming. Perfect. Perfect. Right on there. So like I said, I just wanted to go ahead and amen that because, uh, and, and, I, and, I, and I can't, I can't tell you how, how, how thankful I am at what you're hearing here. No, so, because again, we have wonderful wives. A lot of us have wonderful wives and all stuff and great kids, um, but there are things that we need that they can't provide or don't know to provide and typically cannot keep up with providing on a regular basis. So my desire to be honored, respected, and loved, they have true intentions to go ahead and do that all day, every day. But if my choice is to go ahead and constantly see violations, then that's what I react to. Mm -hmm. So my, so I am, so I am, in fact, the emotion I have is what I practice. So if I'm, if I'm practicing love, patience, which can only happen when I'm in God's presence, then that's what I'm going to emit because that's the emotion that I'm practicing. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. Uh, Pastor Ed Williams. Yes, sir. Good morning, guys. Morning. Uh, I, morning. I'm your original question, uh, doctor, um, about the, you know, the happiness or our contentment against uh, survival, I think it's a big hindrance to, uh, well, you kind of answered the question already for us about how it hinders our uh, purpose and things that we're trying to do because we're so busy trying to survive, mm -hmm. we can't even hear God for vision or for uh, direction or guidance because we're just, I'm just trying to hold on. And so instead of, you know, going forward in God, I think we're just holding on to the cliff, trying not to fall, trying, trying to hold on to life instead of, you know, thriving, going forward, like you were saying. So um, I, I wish you could have elaborated a little bit more on that, because we, I think a lot of us are not going forward because we're just holding on to that, the, the cliff or holding on to the branch, trying not to fall. And let, me, let me elaborate. Let me let me elaborate. I, two, 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 two things came up. There is a direct correlation 
between the 400 years that Israel spent in Egypt as slaves. They came out with a slave mentality. There is a direct correlation with the 400 years of slavery in this country on African-Americans. We have a slave mentality. It keeps us in survivor mode. We just want to just make it. And, and, and this is so ingrained in our thinking that it, so, so watch this. Since we were born, from the day we were born, our brains begin to record us. They record four things. They record everything you hear, everything you say out loud to yourself, everything you think, and everything you do. Now, this has been going on for since you were born. Your brain at night takes these recordings and these experiences that you've had every day and takes it to area number two, which is your emotional center. Takes it there, and that's also where your memory is. Now, these recordings and memories are not long-term unless they are repeated. So whatever is repeated, what you hear, think, do, and say, if you keep hearing the same thing, doing the same thing, your brain takes that as, I gotta learn it. So it'll take these temporary recordings and make them programs. Once your brain makes it a program, it hardwires it into your brain circuitry. So you literally act what you think, what you say, what you do, and what you hear. By the time a child, whether he or she grew up in a positively good home or not, by the time a child is 17, not child now, by the time a young adult is 17 years old, they would have heard 184,000 negative messages. We have no clue how many of them were turned into programs. Now we're trying to start life, going to college, but we got these programs that keep us, we get like the dog on a chain. He runs and he's just about to get you and he forgets there's a limit and he gets jerked back and he does it again, doesn't that sound like us? That's called surviving. So we have to learn how these emotions keep us trapped because they go in, they, they're all tied in with your, the, your, your memory and in these programs. So you act the same way, think the same way, talk the same way. And then we wonder why we are not successful. We don't come to therapy and learn how to break these programs. We'd rather spend the money on something else because we've been told that therapy is not good. I'm not trying to get your business. I got enough. But you need to go to somebody and talk and learn how to break this stuff. Because if you don't, you stuck. You're going to do the same thing for the rest of your life. And at the end, you're going to come up with a bunch of regrets. Which one is worse, failure or regret? Which one? Amen. All right. right. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We're going to jump to Tyler Cooperwood. 
Tyler, come off mute. Hey, thank you. Thank you, um, doctor. Um, just a quick question. So um, I know that we said that happiness is already a emotional state that we possess mm -hmm. um, and that sometimes we have situations or circumstances in our lives that are uncontrollable, mm -hmm. that we can't control. In those moments when I'm in a situation or a state that is uncontrollable, um, is my key to my happiness, my ability to embrace and adapt to that um, circumstance um, in order for me to have the best outcome or um, is it something else? You have said it correctly. Say it again. You said it at the end. It's my ability or inability to do what? To adapt or yeah, embrace I, it. Or embrace it. Now watch Correct. this. That's a great comment there, man. Watch this. I believe that acceptance must be a part of all of our emotional worlds. So you better get an understanding of what acceptance is. Acceptance is a willingness to tolerate a difficult or unpleasant situation. It doesn't mean you got to like it. It doesn't mean you agree with it. It means you got to tolerate it or adapt to it. But you got to also know you, you, you're not going to have, you don't have to stay there. Your current situation is not your final destination. So it's all about how you see it. Because see, for me, what is God trying to tell me in this situation? How many of us have prayed, God, take me out of this thing. Nothing happens. God, you got to fix that other person because they're causing me hell. Nothing happens. You know why? Because God doesn't remove us from the situation. He changes us in the situation. And once he changes us, then the outcome comes or the whatever's supposed to happen comes. He's trying to change us. And this has nothing to do with your happiness. God is more concerned about your holiness. All right. <clears throat> Amen. Thank you, Doc. That's great. Okay. I'm uh, jumping here. Let's see. Jay Telescope, who just gave us a great testimony of how he's dealing with all this. You got something else there, Jay? And then we're going to go to Dave King after that. Uh, I'm more so just had a question because I noticed you were saying uh, like get therapy and prioritize therapy. Um, and I'm a firm believer of therapy. I was wondering if you had some resources, which I know you do some resources available uh, maybe to the men on this call or direct message uh, for therapists that's out in the community to, you know, to be able to facilitate that. I'm so glad you said that. Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> this is the book. Oh, my God. I, I got so many. I'm reading about 10, 11 at one time. So let me just show you a couple of books that'll just open your eyes up. See the name of that book? Negative. Self Can't quite Say it for us. Yeah, say it for us. Negative self-talk. Negative okay. self-talk. Out of chain. Shad Helmstetter. Love him. Look at this one. Thoughts or things? Thoughts or things? All right. That's just two right off the bat. I got another one. I want to show you this one. Oh, where is it? Oh, here it is. Here it is. Just some books that will change your life. 
Be careful. You might fall out of your seat. After your emotions, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. hey, I got another one. That one is, what does that one say, Doc? It says healing from hidden abuse. Okay. All right. Hey, gentlemen, what we'll do is we'll get this book list and we will make sure that uh, Nico will find a way to make sure that it gets communicated out to everyone. I think, uh, Jay Telescope, you were actually, too, though, asking about actual therapist uh, that we might recommend. So I would say that, Doc, we can we can put your information out there and any others that you want us that you would recommend in, in terms of actual in-person or face-to-face -face therapy. Uh, so we'll put these. So, Jarrell, uh, yes. uh, thanks for, for for saying that. We'll make sure these resources are available, uh, guys. Just also, as Dr. Lake said, we can't do all that needs to be done here in this hour and a half that we have. We're going to take this 30 more minutes, uh, but we're we've talked to him already about putting together an in-person workshop where he would spend a day with us and, and we really would get into some things and, and additional things and all. So, so we'll be more information will come up about that later. Dave King, man, I didn't know that was you. I saw the baby picture, man. Good to see you, Dave. Come on. What you got? Good morning. Good morning, brothers. Good morning. I was, um, I was just going to comment, uh, ask you, Dr. Lake, to, if you could speak on, I think, um, and I think there's a lot of, I think a lot of times with men, we feel like, um, we kind of already feel like we're happy and then um you know or content or whatever and then we get into these relationships or whatever else and, and negative things start coming up and we we tend to want to push it on you know the other person like oh man I, you know i was good until blah 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 and i think that um i i feel like you already kind of touched on it somewhat that a lot of times we're fooling ourselves by thinking to me i don't know you tell me if i'm on the right track here that we're fooling ourselves by thinking that we're already good or we're already happy we're really what it is is we're we're operating in that slave mentality where we're just okay with maintaining we're just you know hey i maintain it i mean you know that's even brothers greeting each other how's it how's it going oh i'm maintaining brother you know but it's like it's it's that but in order to get from maintaining to thriving you still got to be able to go in deep and deal with some of those things that like, you know, people be like, I don't want to deal with like the stuff that happened when I was a kid and my mama leaving and this and, and how it made me feel and all that. I, I don't even think about that anymore. Yeah, but it still affects you on a day to day basis in your in your actions and in your interactions with people and stuff like that. So just want to see if you can speak to that a little bit. Um, you know, when I talked about how the brain records us and then makes these programs because we keep having these repeated either things we're thinking or saying or hearing or actually doing. And, and it, it, it literally just locks us down. And again, because your brain is trying to take control and that's not how God designed. God designed your mind, which is the second most powerful thing on the planet after him. And it's not it's this area right here, right above your eyebrow to about the middle of your head. This thing is unbelievable. God put something in your frontal lobe or prefrontal cortex toward the back of it. It's called your motor cortex. 
that is responsible. See, God, man, he took care of everything. He didn't leave anything unturned or undone because he said, I wish above all that you have prosper and be in good health. He wants us to be thriving. So he puts something in the back of the area called your prefrontal cortex, called your motor cortex. That is responsible for all of your skilled movement. That means creativity. That means thriving. It just needs to be activated every day. And what are you guys hearing me say? Anybody? Dr. Lake, I'm hearing you say that we have to be intentional about the way that we think. Mm. Every day when we wake up, we have to be intentional about thinking good thoughts, thinking thoughts that are for us and not working against us. And we have to repeat this continuously until it becomes a lifestyle. Because once you activate your motor cortex, that thing is responsible for your success. You can do anything you want, anything. But not you only can that, accomplish anything. So how do I activate it? I activate it through my mindset, through my the way I think, and ultimately through my actions. But not only that, though, because um, I remember Pastor Tony said a month ago before he went on his trip, he said he buried someone that had was a, a great church person and, um, you know, everything, but he was always negative and always angry. Now, I'm, and you know me, Dr. Lake, you know me for a year. I'm a big, big component. I'm, I'm not on that side of the fence. I'm on, I'm on the other side. So I'm a defender of, of, of us, of the people that y'all look at as always angry and all that stuff. And so what I say is, is, is I do believe in it. Now, I'm not saying, because with your hard work, I am there now. So I do believe in that thought, but that thought comes with two things. One, recognizing it's not only that thought to say, oh my God, you got to believe in it. You just got to believe it. No, it comes with action. That's correct. And so with that action, the second thing comes in is that we have to be, and I always say, I even tell Bishop Tony, you got to be that Jedi in order to maneuver when those things come at you, how to, to stop them. So, it's, so again, we, we talk about, I'm going to end it with this. We talk about, we pray, and we, we raise our hands. That's it. We got to think of, no. You got to go through those steps of being that Jedi because the attack will come and we need to recognize that because again, pe that's how people die angry because we may say, oh, I wake up, I feel happy, but no one ever taught them to be happy all the time. No. So you, you, you are right, man, about that action. It's ultimately change and transformation and success happens at, in combination to me being aware and the way I think. What I think, I now, what actions can I take to make what I'm thinking come to pass? That motor cortex, man, is something else. And once I understood it, that God put in me the ability to be successful at everything I touched. I just got to be intentional. And how do I do it? I've got to be disciplined and develop a routine. And guys, we don't want to do that. We don't want to get out of the bed 
and put ourselves through a routine every day. Well, guess what? It's going to be hit and miss until you do. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a basketball fan. I used to be a fanatic. I'm changed. I'm, I'm converted now. I'm just a fan. <laughs> I grew up in Chicago, man. I was there before Jordan got there, but when he got there, we just took off. Mm -hmm. so to me, he's the GOAT. What I've done is I started studying people who are thriving or who are successful, be it entertainment or entertainers or inventors or athletes. And I noticed that what they all have in common they have a routine that they follow and they do not deviate. They do the same thing literally every day, like clockwork. Until we become disciplined and develop a routine and be intentional about how we think and start being intentional about these actions that we wanna do based on what I'm thinking, we just gonna be hit and missing. And we, Can I share something real quick? Please. Um, I'm going to use the example of the, uh, the road rage. What I've been doing the last two years, when someone cut in front of me, I would think maybe there's an emergency or maybe they're under an influence. Let me pray for them. I started doing that and it actually started to work. Or I'm running late for work and I'll be getting all frustrated and flustered. But then I started like, no, what if God's protecting me from an accident? So I would change the situation into a positive. Mm -hmm. And then that implies with everything else that we go through. Like I'm getting anxiety because that guy's looking at me, but it reminds me of how my dad used to look at me, you know, but now I, I'm older and I, I know my dad and why he was like that. So now I'm like, oh, maybe he's like, kind of like my dad, maybe he, his father, you know, uh, beat him or whatever. So I'm going to pray for him. You know, so all those things that would make me feel my feelings, I would change it. Or what does the Bible say? What does the word of God say about this? Like recognizing it. And that's what I've been doing, studying and asking the Holy Spirit to bring into remembrance the word when I would feel any type of emotions. If they were negative, okay, God, what does the Bible say about this? And then I will apply it and voice it out or I'll pray about it. And it, it it's taking time. I'm not, I, I don't got it fully, but. I'm seeing the, I'm, I have more peace and I have the joy. Even when bad things are going, I'm like, oh, I don't feel happy. But like you said, happiness is just a feeling. But when you know that you know, that's where the joy comes in. So let, so, me, let, me, let me add a tool to, to this, guys, because, you know, we've discussed it, but I want to start giving you some things practically that you can do. One of the most powerful tools that will help you shift the way you think which will uh, more likely help you put actions in place is we call it reframing, reframing, R-E-F-R-A-M-I-N-G, reframing. I reframe everything. So the other day I go to the dentist and I was running late, I knew it. And I get out here on the 91 and I'm trying to get to the fast track and it's just wall-to-wall -wall people. My, yeah. And my first thought was, oh man, I'm just, I'm not gonna make my appointment. And I just simply stopped and reframed it. There's a lot of traffic out here, but, and I filled in the butt with this. 
man, God's giving me more time to think and pray and come up with some new ideas for my business. And that's what I did. The 40 minutes I was on the 91. I just reframed it. I took it from, oh man, I'm going to be late and get me all worked up. I reframed it. I'm in a lot of traffic, but, but is a transitional, a transitional phrase. But to what? Make it something positive. Oh my God, my wife is bugging me today, but I'm happy I got one. She just loves me to death. I just reframe everything. What do you guys think about that? I love it. Let me jump in real quick. Please. We got four. We have four hands up, so I want to get them in order real quick. But that's great. Uh, that's what I, I heard Raymond saying that he was doing reframing uh, to to process those things that were happening. So we got uh, Tim Claxton, uh, uh, brother. I see a a fifty three Galaxy. So I don't have your name, but you're you're up next, and then uh, Minister Eric Von Rogers, and then Coach Des has something else. So uh, Tim, go ahead, Tim Claxton. Excellent. Thank you, uh, Dr. Lake and fellas. Um, this is good stuff, Dr. Lake. Good stuff. Um, I had the chance to uh, to uh, to see my father uh, this uh, yesterday, and uh, I haven't seen him in a while. Um, and it just brought up it brought up a lot of old it brought up a lot of old memories, uh, but it also showed me where I am now today. And that I had to do one thing, and that was to get myself whole. I had to get my, I had, I had to get myself healed. So I think a lot of times we're searching for other things when God is telling us to get yourself right with me. Get yourself right one and one with me. Let me identify these problems that you're facing. Let me heal you from these things. And as you move in life, I'll bring these things up. Like you just said, reframe. You have to reframe situations in your life. And that's a part of dying to yourself. Amen. That's it. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's good. That's good. Uh, go ahead, brother. Um, your, 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 your identification there is A35 Galaxy. You're on mute. You're on mute. Still on mute, brother. You're still on mute. Can we get you off mute? There you go. Yeah, Lambert Talley. Oh, Lambert. Hey, Lambert. Hey, president of Great Center for Health and Healing. Hey, brother. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you now, my old friend. Yes. Uh, as as the president of Great Center for Health, Health and Healing. And I'm also one, I've had two, two major strokes. Uh, stepping out, when you, when, you, when you mentioned stepping out on faith, uh, now dealing with getting up and moving, that's something that we sometimes have a major problem with. Um, I'm also a healthcare professional. And a lot of times as brothers, uh, I've found that in hard places, sometimes it we we tend to allow the emotional side of us uh, 
especially when something such as what I just happened, what I just mentioned occurs, the stepping out on faith sometimes becomes difficult. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's something that we really need to remember mm -hmm. is that in those times of what, like I just mentioned, uh, I've had two major strokes and a lot of times we get defensive and that's something we've got to not allow to occur. We've, we've got to remember to allow, not allow the emotions to, to uh, curve things and break down. Obedience, it helps. It helps a great deal, opens doors uh, and makes things move a great deal. And uh, I, that's something that I, I just I just really wanted to share. Lambert, I appreciate you sharing that, man. I know, <laughs> and I'm so blessed just to see you on the line, man. I know what you've been through and how you continue to advance through adversity, brother. So thank you so much for sharing that. Minister Eric Von Rogers and then Coach Dez. I, I guess I have a question for Dr. Lake. Is thriving, is thriving a, a direct result of pulling yourself out plus helping someone else? Can you thrive without, can you thrive alone? No, you, you can't because that's not how God designed it. Right. Um, he gave wealth or blessings so that we could use it to bless others and help others. And, 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 and I brought up that question thinking I knew the answer, but many times we hear in church how God is gonna bless who? Me, which maps and wires us to think that the blessing is just for me, is not for anyone else. And that, that bothers me. Mm -hmm. The thinking that, okay, every time, I, mean, I shouldn't say every time, consistently, consistently I'm hearing the blessing is for me. It's never for we. And I'm going, wait a minute. If it's just for me, if I'm isolated, even if I have a billion dollars, I'm isolated. I'm, I'm no good to me or no one else. And guess what? If it's just for you, he can't give you no more because you're full. He gives you more as you empty it out. Mm. The blessings just keep flowing. And I'm not just talking financial. I'm talking about all these blessings. That's good. Coach Dez. Uh, I'm just loving this. First of all, like, big props to you, Dr. Dr. Lake. I'm just so glad, uh, first of all, that we have another resource out there available for therapy and resources and ability for folks to go ahead and get this. Mental health is the number one issue of the 21st century right. uh, going on here. And I'm so, I'm so very, very thankful uh, for you and all sub as well. So I did want to go ahead and I, I mean, I, I do professional coaching as well, but I wanted to ask you a question because, you know, we're, I think a lot of us are getting a lot of stuff that you're saying academically, but where people oftentimes fall off, at least this is what I find in my practice 
is in regards to where, okay, fine, God wants me to thrive. And then there's a secret question or sometimes it's verbalized. Well, how long until? How long until I start seeing results? How long, how long until I thrive? I get it. God wants me to go ahead and thrive. Okay, all right. Wonderful. Glory, hallelujah. But how long until? So, 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 so Dr. Lake and also as a man of God who has in, immense wisdom, I'm sitting at your feet right now, my, my friend. I would love to go ahead and get your, your thoughts on, or at least how you've attempted to answer that question. All right, so say, say that phrase one more time. I want everybody to hear because I can't <laughs> wait to answer it. Say it. <laughs> how, long, how long? How long? How long till how long? I, how long? Say that again. How long, matter of fact, how long, how long till I become successful? How long, matter of fact, how long until I'll know I'm thriving? How long am I going to be in this state? How long on that? So again, you know, in regards to setting the right expectations and also for individuals, because again, I think a lot of us right now, unfortunately, and I know it's an easy target to go to hear about social media, but I only use it from the perspective of comparison. You know, we see every time we look at social media, we see everybody's highlight reel. And when you're seeing it over and over and over again, it can sometimes indirectly or directly set up an expectation that if I started a business, I should be successful in 30 days. <laughs> or I just got married and it's always going to be hot sex, uh, good times all the time because I'm hearing this person's testimony in, in succession. So sometimes that sets up a poor expectation in regards to how long things take on that. I know the kind of things I say, but again, I wanted to go ahead and hear it from the master's mouth himself on that and get your thoughts on how you've been able to address that question. So I'm of the firm belief that the moment God changes this, I'm already successful. How long it takes depends on my submission and my discipline to what he's telling me to do. That's number one. Number two, change the metric of what you think success is. Success has nothing to do with what you can acquire, what you do, and what you earn. It has nothing to do with it. Solomon taught us, us that already. He did. He said at the end in chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes, he says, you really want to hear the conclusion of the whole matter after I almost turned the other way? Fear God and give him glory. That's what he said. Your whole, so, so my metric is not what I can acquire or what I can accomplish. My metric is my submission to God. Now, as I submit to him, I'm, a, I'm successful. I am. But sometimes my success doesn't mean I'm going to get it down here. Sometimes. And then number two, because I think I said it earlier, God has to get glory for everything. And sometimes he delays us getting what we want yes. or what we need or what he wants to give us because we too busy. We're going to take the credit for it. So God purposely helps us to develop our faith so we know that we know that I'm only here because you did it. And if he even thought for one moment that I would take credit, he'd hold back that thing. Now, you can take that answer and apply it any way you want. But I, I was already successful the moment he changed my mindset and made me stop looking at just getting by 
to now I'm thriving. And thriving doesn't mean I don't have bills and I don't have problems. It just means I already know I'm already blessed. That happened immediately. Didn't take a long time. I just got to stay in that mindset because this is the fight for good and evil. This is Armageddon right here, guys. Whoever controls this part of your brain controls you because this is also area number one. This is the prefrontal cortex. This is where we believe God's conscience, the conscience is right there. And we also know that this is considered the heart of your brain. So whoever controls this, All right. I think hey, so, so, so Coach Dez, I'm going to come back to you real quick, then I'm going to come back over to you, Dr. Cooper Wood. But uh, since you are in the business of helping people do what Dr. Lake is talking about here, which is really to, to practice, have the right mindset and all. So the, the hard question you just asked, how do you answer that with your clients? Exactly. And also, and again, Dr. Lake, thank you for your answer on that one. You know, because, and again, and I think we're, uh, I think a lot of us agree wholeheartedly but when you're looking at individuals like saying, hey, listen, um, I am poor and I want to be less poor. <laughs> I want to have myself. So, so, so how, how long before this business is going to take off? That's just some of the more practical stuff. I mean, as directly. And also, how long before my, 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 my wife and I get better? How long are we going to go and start seeing that? So, think, fact, so yeah. I'm, not, I'm sorry. I think that it's in direct correlation to the investment that I put in it. Mm -hmm. But I'm also got to be realistic. Yeah, I have to be in business. We know it takes anywhere from two to five years for you to really get the business really going. We know this. That's mm -hmm. what the stats tell us. Right, right. Okay. Right. So, so I have to be realistic. I have to also know that nothing's going to happen. Mo nothing's happening overnight except yeah. my forgiveness. Exactly. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. That's matter of fact, so matter of fact, again, spot on again. So matter of fact, what I end up basically sharing with them is that just what Dr. Like was like saying, frustration and discouraged, when we, when we get frustrated, discouraged and anger, angry is because of typically three, matter of fact, two things, unmet and unrealistic expectations. Mm -hmm. So like what Dr. Lake is saying, we have to reframe the, we have to reframe this. It's not 30 days or less. It's matter of fact, yeah. I'm oftentimes, because I'm mostly coaching small to medium-sized business owners on that, this is going to take at least two years. Are you okay with that? This is going to take five years. Are you okay with that? We got to set the expectations. Secondly, effort. Mm. Effort. So whatever we're doing requires, matter of fact, the effort that we brought in as employees is not the same effort it will take for us to go ahead to be successful business owners. The same effort that we had as boyfriends is not going to be the same effort that's going to be as husbands. Yes. In fact, in fact let me go ahead and give you a form of measurement so that everybody, everybody can be safe in how they're going to perform. 5X. 5 to 10X the effort that you're currently doing now. It's what's required. 5 to 10X. Yes. Okay, matter of fact, here it is. I'm, I I started my own. Kevin and I talk about this all the time. I started my own business. And I was like, great. I'm gonna be my own boss. I left a job that I was working eight hours a day to work fourteen to sixteen hours a day. <laughs> okay, listen. So so in regards to in terms of how do I measure how I'm going to thrive. It is in direct correlation to what Dr. Lake was saying, and I wanted to try to provide a form of measurement 
to that and all stuff. So in this case, if it's in regards to how do I know I'm going to go, how can I know I'm going to go ahead and thrive if I'm in the music industry, if I'm writing, number one, write expectations. I want you to go ahead and put your head down. In fact, I don't even want you looking for your flowers for five years. Yep. Just put your head down. Don't even start looking for your flowers. Don't even start looking for the recognition. Just go ahead and put your head down before you even look up and ask the question. Number one, during the five years, go 5X. Go 5 to 10X in regards to your efforts so you can go ahead and start getting conditioned going on here. And the, the word of God makes it very, very clear. If you sow sparingly, you what? Reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. Our ability to go ahead and thrive is has everything to do with, first, first of all, realistic expectation and amazing efforts. So whatever it is you're doing right now on that, right now, and also in your case, it's not an issue of faith. It's not an issue of scripture. It's not an issue of knowing what to do. Everybody on this call, I'm looking, I'm looking at all these amazing men on this call. Y'all, you guys can teach all this stuff that we're talking right now, but where we have, where, and I'm saying we, 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 where we have fallen down has been oftentimes in the effort place. So as we're asking the question, how do I know the thrive or whatever? Yeah, I get the faith and I get the effort, but dude, how much effort? Take what you're doing, times it by five minimum, set the right expectation. Again, if you just got involved in investment banking or you're flipping houses or you're starting your own label or whatever, put your head down, join the CIA. I call it a cave in Afghanistan. Put yourself in that cave in Afghanistan. Put your head down for five years. Don't even look up to look for your flowers and go to work. Um, now you, uh, Elder between, Kelvin. Yes, sir. Elder Kelvin. Yes, sir. I wanna, I just, if you just give me one minute, I know time is short. Can you just give me one minute? Please, okay? very quickly, because we have yes. one hand up already. All right, go ahead. All right. So I just want to just, I don't know, follow up on, I don't know, Mr. Blackman, I just want to follow up on him. I just want to say this, gentlemen, you, you got to, Everything he said is true, but you got to follow up going back to Dr. Lake, which I'm truly blessed that he's here. I love the man to death with the negativity in your mind. Real quickly, for many years, you know, I wanted to build a space company. Uh, only a few people, including Elder Kelvin, was said, yeah, you could do it. Other people was like, eh, I don't know. You know, I don't know. So now we came a 501c3 last week. We're going to get our DUNS number and we're already getting other people on board here. Um, but this is what I wanted to let you know. When I called my father this Monday and I told my father what happened, he said, I love you. That's great. That's awesome. He called me back. He said, I had a spiritual moment. The spiritual moment was I was looking through my notes and I came across your scrapbook that you had when you was five. And every single page in that scrapbook was drawings of some spacecraft. He sent me eight pictures. And he said, I am in tears because God has revealed to me that you were destined to do that from where you are now is where you began when you were five. My dad never gave me in my lifetime a positive note. This was the first time he did it. So when I showed my wife and I showed everyone else on the team, they were totally blown because now, again, God, and I told them, I said, God reminded me that he was in charge all along. When Amen. other people were saying no, he was saying yes. 
And that's what I'm going to say. So it's you are you are evidence of what Dr. Lake and Coach Dancer both said, uh, the mindset, the effort. You've 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 worked on your mindset working with Dr. Lake and others. You've put in the effort for since I've known you. So that's exactly bearing out what they're what they're talking about here, which is which is powerful for getting into that thriving mode moving forward. Kevin Cooperwood, go ahead. We're going to start to wind this down. We're getting close to time here. We're, we're at time. Go ahead. Kevin. All right. Recently, I had the opportunity to travel to Israel and Egypt. And when I traveled, when we went, and this is correlation, this is in correlations to the thought process and the mindset. When we when we came into Israel, Israel is very it's it's a nice little community, but outside of Israel, it's very impoverished, much poverty, especially in Nazareth, where Jesus lived. So we're driving and riding on the bus and I'm looking at all this poverty. I'm like, wow, these, this is where Jesus lived. Very impoverished area, trash and dogs and so forth running throughout the street. It was very impo impoverished. But what I thought about when we were on the session today was changing that thought process, reframing Jesus. Oh, if you go back to the scriptures, he always reframed my father my father because he knew where he came from he knew his human limitations so he reframed whatever situation he was in he reframed it to his father my father this my father that and i think brothers a lot we have to reframe like dr lake said we have to reframe our thoughts and push those thoughts over to my father my heavenly father you may not see your biological father. He may be gone on in eternity, but my heavenly father says I can do this. My heavenly father says I'm healed. My heavenly father says I'm whole. So that reframing, that's a very powerful tool. And to be in Israel and to visit Armageddon where all of that battle and fight is going to take place is so powerful because it's a large it's like the it's greater in size like than the inland empire of the sides of where everyone's going to come from north south east and west and all of this is going to take place in one area right here in the mind there's an armageddon going on in the mind but we have to as men reframe our situations and get back to the father amen 